Thank you for listening to That's Questionable with Cecily King. I'm your host, Cecily King. And this is going to be episode number two. I think it's really great because one, in the first episode, we did touch on education, but not really in depth to the point that I can say, oh, you can learn something from this. So (laughs) I have my friend Ross Sanford here. Say hi. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And the great thing about you is that you're a teacher. I am. I teach preschool and I've done so for three years. Mm -hmm. Yes. Plus, on top of that, you've worked with children on the spectrum who also have disabilities. Yes. Um, I've had multiple students who actually were autistic. I've also worked with um, children with Downs. I've also worked with children who had a... just physical delays as well. Um, and that ranged from like ages three months to 12 years old. So I've mm-hmm. been in the arena with just children. Okay. They are my favorite little beings. Wait, so what made you even want to become a teacher in the first place? I have a very natural and um, innate mothering instinct. And mm-hmm. right now, since I'm not a mom, yeah, I um I feel like I needed to put it to use <laughs> so that I wouldn't become one <laughs> at a very uh, young age. Um, I guess that would be a weird thing to say, but that's definitely like a big part of it. I just love kids, and I love being around them, and I love being able to watch them learn and grow because they they put everything that you teach them to use, and it's amazing to actually see them do it. It's mm-hmm. amazing to hear them repeat things that you've said and it's amazing to hear them, you know, um use words that you've used and phrases that you've used and actually put things that you're instilling in them. It's it, it's amazing to see them do it. Yeah. You know, so it's definitely been like a big thing for me and it's it's helped me grow as a person. Mm-hmm. That was also another thing that I wanted to do because you know, you grow with kids. It helps mm-hmm. you it definitely helps you um it helps you figure out what you want to do. Yeah. And it helps you form the person that you want to be. Because, you know, there is no way that you can just look at a child and just go like, I'll just leave you be. You know, that it's, it's important to teach them. And it's important that you're being able to teach them something of value. So I became a teacher so that I can have this this blueprint of how to teach something with value. And I definitely think that it um, will help me shape into the mother that I want to be. Yeah. So it was also like a, it all went back to me being a mom, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But it all just definitely went to me learning myself and learning how I wanted to deal with these particular groups of people because I wanted to be a mother. So it definitely was a big thing for me to learn that and have a different outlook on it. Because, you know, when you're a teacher, you're you're with the kids and you, you don't realize how much time you spend with them and how much influence you have on them. Yeah. Until you actually see the difference of them with their parents and you see them with you, you know. And, you know, what what's so crazy about that is because I really did want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of conversations have been stirring about, especially in, during this COVID crisis, about is it our, like are as parents that have to really truly teach our kids is it the teachers is it the school system especially when it pertains to like black kids and Mm. black education like who does it fall on the phrase it takes a village is 
very much true. It, it, it doesn't just fall on the teachers, but it, it's a partnership. It, mm-hmm. it falls on everyone who is in that child's life. And especially with black students, because they have so much up against them already mm-hmm. that they definitely need more than one person in their corner. They definitely need more than one person who is instilling learning things inside of them. You know, so the parents, they need to be involved. The teachers, they need to be involved. They need guidance counselors involved. They need people to get them to the next step. And that was also another reason I wanted to become a teacher because I definitely feel a very strong connection with my black students. Yeah. Like, you know, I definitely feel a connection with all of my students, but like my black students, I definitely hold like near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a big thing for me mm-hmm. and it's always been a big thing for me, like especially dealing with black students and making sure that they, they have an outlet and making sure that they're comfortable and making sure that they know how to speak to me and, um, you know, it was definitely a big thing and me making sure that I was teaching them so that no one else could bring them down. Yeah. You know, that was a big thing for me. So with that being said, what particular issues do you see when it comes to black students? Black students normally get in trouble more than their white students. Um, Mm. They definitely, they definitely run into a lot of teachers who already have their mind made up about them. Yeah, I, I I ran into a lot of teachers who, who already like I I used to have um two year olds and my two year olds when they grow up they go over to the three year old classroom mm-hmm. so I had um students who were bad students yeah uh, students that just needed a little more attention and because teachers from across the way seen that you know I would know that I would be pulled to the side and ask questions about those students like well oh you know how is he and. Do you think that if this will work? And, you know, there was definitely those questions because they were already concerned. Mm-hmm. It wasn't more so what can I do? It was, why is this child bad? And that was definitely a lot of a lot of the things that I had to work with. That was, that was a, it's a thing. Like mm-hmm. children, the black kids are definitely looked at as problem children. Yeah. That is a big thing. So they are automatically treated differently. They're automatically treated harder. They're automatically given these restrictions mm-hmm. because the teachers feel like they have to do that in order for them to be able to work with their classroom as a whole. That's understandable. Mm. And you know so what is so problematic about that is that teachers already come in with biases Mm -hmm. before they go and teach within the system and then expect everyone to be held to the same standard Mm -hmm. but they don't even treat their children at the same standard. Exactly. I do believe that every child learns a different way Mm -hmm. and that is something that you as a teacher need to check your accountability on. Mm -hmm. You can't teach you can't treat every child the exact same way and expect the same as results because not every child comes from the same background not every child receives things the same way so it just takes that extra bit of patience and it takes that extra bit of what can I do for you because that's what you're Mm -hmm. here for as a teacher you're here to find out what I can do for you to get you ahead yeah and a lot of times you meet a lot of teachers who are tired and who are not ready to ask those important questions, especially when it comes to their black students. So do you feel like there's a learning difference or a learning curve when it comes to black students versus like other races of students? Not in the beginning, not Mm -hmm. at all. I definitely think that it's created. Mm -hmm. It's created because like I said, teachers have those preconceived notions. Yeah. So when you go into a classroom and your teacher is openly different to you, 
mm-hmm. it instills something in you to make you feel like you have a learning difference yeah. and that you, you figure out things differently. Whereas you may not have. You may have been able to be on par with everyone else, but because you were treated differently, now you may respond differently. And now we have to figure out different ways in order to get you back on track when you may not have even had to have, have to have had that in the beginning. So now talking, let's bring COVID into the situation because learning is definitely going to be different than it was for us and even last year. How do you feel it will affect black children versus like other counterparts? I definitely think that it's going to be hard, especially because I know at our school, we, uh, we used a certain app. So we, we, we made videos for the kids and we read books and we, we sang songs and we went through the alphabet and we went through Spanish and ASL. We did all of those things. But I also personally know that a few of my black students don't have the app. So because you don't have the app, you weren't able to receive those videos mm-hmm. and you had no way to receive those videos because people just weren't keeping in contact. It was a difficult time. And I definitely feel like that's what happens because you don't have those resources you end up falling behind. And I think that's definitely something that happened with COVID because if you, you're stuck in the house, you're stuck yeah. in the house and you know parents are out of work. So in the event that you lose your internet service, mm-hmm. that means you have no internet. Yeah. And you can't go and go to the library because the library is closed. Mm-hmm. And you know your parents are stressed out about trying to figure out how they're going to feed you. They're stressed out about how they're going to get things together. And so school isn't the first thing on their mind. And it's not on yours either. So I definitely feel like sometimes in their homes, because of the lack of resources, it falls. It, it, they fall behind. So when they yeah. come back to school, they're not caught up because mm-hmm. they weren't able to get caught up. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, do you believe that the school system should give not just black students, but every student what they need to learn? I definitely think so. I definitely think that we need to have a much higher respect and much higher, much more resources for the education system because mm-hmm. it is the basis for everything. Yeah. That is how you go through the rest of your life. It's based on what you've learned as a child. The, the first seven years of your life are you actually shaping the person that you're going to be. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how you learn. And if you don't have the resources to do that, then you fall behind. And a lot of times within the black community, that's what happens. You, you fall behind because we're not focused on the education basis of it. A lot of us are just trying to get to the next day. Mm-hmm. And because we're trying to get to the next day, like I said, your mind isn't always on learning. Your mind isn't always on, well, you need to work on the alphabet or you need to work on, you know, let's teach you a different language or let's teach you, you know, math skills, you know, because you're going to figure that all out when you go back to school. You know, so I definitely think that there is sort of a disconnect. And yes, you absolutely need to receive more resources from the school. There needs to be things in place for when stuff like this happens, because it's not the first time Mm -hmm. that we've had a pandemic. You know, like it's happened before. It's never happened within my lifetime to Mm -hmm. where it was to this caliber. But there's been times that, you know, you, you you've been out of school and you've had it for certain reasons and you don't get anything. You know, they hand you this pamphlet of work to do, but if you didn't learn it in school or if you weren't paying much close attention, there's nothing that you can do about it. 
mm-hmm. you know? So you fall behind. The funny thing is, I can only speak for me. Growing up, because I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, we grew up next to senators and ambassadors. We had a high tax income neighborhood or neighborhoods within itself. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing that I can say is that a lot of people aren't privileged the way I was privileged being in the mixed media, well, Mm -hmm. being in a mixed, you know, race neighborhood and city. Mm -hmm. So we used to get laptops every year and they were brand new we had chances where we could have gotten our nursing degree while we were in high school got our cosmetology degree do anything if it were to come to like automobiles Mm -hmm. and even i i was able to say that like when i was in elementary school and a lot of people don't know this like i was able to do like newscasting and work for the newspaper Mm -hmm. and it sucks because you shouldn't think as a child oh, hey, I need to live in a better tax bracket to get things that I need and to level the playing field when it comes to other You see, me, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. So it's a completely different area there. You know, know, that is one of the more urban areas, Mm -hmm. you know, where we are predominantly black. And it shows. It shows. It shows in the education system. It shows... And, you know, the housing, it shows in all of those things. So getting a laptop every year is unheard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's getting a laptop every yeah. year. You know, we barely have books. So I know that we had things within my school. My school was considered one of the better schools, you mm-hmm. know, because we did have those trades. We did have, you know, wood shop and we did have the auto work. And um, you were able to have the dual enrollment where when you graduated high school, you also had your associate's degree. You know, you, you had those things, mm-hmm. but it was where it was because you went to that school. Now, if you went to a, a school like JFK or if you went to like East Tech, you didn't have those resources. Yeah. You know, and it was because you lived in an area that wasn't that wasn't in that tax bracket. Yeah. You know, so those children, unless you decided to push yourself unless you decided to try to branch out and either look for more resources you just didn't have them Mm -hmm. so I mean you graduated but you don't have any necessary skills Mm -hmm. you know you graduated but you you don't know what your next steps are going to be yeah you graduated but that's all you did you graduated you just made and that was an accomplishment itself depending where you're from you know it's because of where you were from you grew up on the east 55th you graduated. You made it there. You were alive. You made it, you know, because that was also a big thing. If you were going to even be alive to make it in that, in those times. So it was like, you definitely, you definitely have to sit back and think about those differences. Because I even, like among my brothers and sisters, we went to all the same high school, but I was more involved in extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. You know, so I... My first job, I worked at the ACLU of Ohio. I was a summer intern. Go ahead. You know, like, and that was because of what I did in school. Like, I Mm -hmm. I was in the Youth Opportunities Program. So I was able to go to job fairs, and I was able to do the things where it taught you how to do mock interviews and how to dress for interviews and how to speak to people that you you want to speak to in order to get ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, but my brothers and sisters, they didn't do things like that. Yeah. So... Because of that, my brother's first job, he was a janitor. And, you know, it's not to say that it was it's something dismissive, wrong with yeah. that. But it was something, it was because he didn't have that resource. Mm-hmm. When he was in, we went to the same school, but they didn't have it while he was in school. Mm-hmm. You know, we were four years apart. 
Yeah. So when I came in, they created it for us. But just think about had they already had it implemented, you know, and had they broadcasted it. Because I don't remember them broadcasting it. I think it was just something that I just... It was just there. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I was looking because I was one of those kids who never wanted to go home. And because I never wanted to go home, I was going to find something to do. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> I used to get in trouble. Exactly. I was in the school. school. <laughs> Listen, I'm at school. I was, I was, I was in, um, there was a culture club, you know, so I mm-hmm. was dealing with multiple children of different races. I was in the GSA, the Gay Street Alliance. I was, I was in um, Stand Up, which is an anti-bullying um, club. It was, I was on the yearbook. I, I did, um... The I there was we had a production called Big Show, so every year we put on a play. I was in that, you know, so I was constantly involved mm-hmm. in something in school. So when I found the youth program, it was, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I get to leave school, I get to go on field trips, I get to dress up for this. I I don't have to yeah, get of home, course. so mm-hmm. I'm gonna be in this. You know, <laughs> I did it for all four years. Mm-hmm. I did it, you know, and it definitely opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah, it definitely opened a lot of doors, and it definitely changed my mindset on what I wanted and it definitely you know made me made me into the person that I wanted to be and it definitely brought me into like that mindset of everything that I wanted to do and because I know that those things exist I definitely want to be a part of creating those things so that it's available to all of us yeah you know it's like because I know that it has such a positive impact because Mm -hmm. I know from the people who were also involved in that group with me Mm -hmm. of everything that we're doing you know, everything that I, I see us doing, the way that I see us getting into positions, the way that I see us making those connections to get further ahead. You know, like people are creating businesses. They're doing things like that. And it's because we were able to have that knowledge from the place that we, you know, we're invited to be in. Mm-hmm. And, as, and I feel like once you create those spaces and you make it known that those spaces are available, you open up way more doors for the black community. Yes. Most definitely. Like it, it, it opens up way more. And that's what you need to do because there's so much talent in the black community and it and it's amazing how it goes unnoticed because you have teachers who don't want to bring that out of them. Who don't want to push and who don't want to who who don't want to sit and look at them outside of getting them out of their class. Now, I have a question to beg you. Mm-hmm. Because I was going to ask you something before, but I feel like this is like the perfect opportunity to ask you about this now. Do you feel that standardized testing is taken away from what children need, especially since not everyone is going to need science and art and technology, even though it's nice to have that foundation itself? Yes, I definitely think that standardized testing holds a lot of children back, not just the black community, but it holds students back. Especially to the point where during COVID, they got rid of it. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show that you didn't need it. Mm-hmm. They, when COVID happened, they got rid of the SATs and the ACTs. So you were able to apply to school without having those. So that means that you were able to do that anyway. So more students were able to apply to colleges that they never would have had a chance to get into because they removed those tests. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show that it wasn't what you needed. And it's not based on that. It's not based on that. So there was no reason to have those tests because it definitely holds people back. Like, I remember we had the OGTs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know uh, what other states were referred to the as, but the OGTs were five separate tests that it was um, reading, writing, math, science, and 
Isaac social studies. And if you didn't pass them, you couldn't graduate. <laughs> and it's like, if I show up to school every day, if I show up to school every day, if I'm passing my actual classes, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be the basis on whether or not I graduate. Yeah. It shouldn't be. But the fact that if I don't pass those five tests, I cannot graduate high school is a problem. Because think about how many children you're holding back. Like, I was one of the students who didn't pass mine the first time. I failed, I passed three, but um, failed, I think it was math and science, because those weren't my strong subjects. Shoot, I remember I failed, I failed math third grade. Come to find out, some children just need to be challenged. Mm -hmm. Because the following year, they put me in a tag program, and I was able to do, like, AP statistics at Mm -hmm. that time. So, I really feel like talking about this now you just need to figure out what your students like niche is and that really actually takes the time to from being oh i'm just here for a check Mm -hmm. versus i'm really investing into my children exactly and i also think that it's hard when you as a teacher aren't given those resources it definitely becomes uh oh i'm just here for a check when it doesn't feel like people are supporting what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy for you as a teacher to get discouraged because you want to do these things and you want to teach and you want to be able to take these children to the next level, but sometimes you just can't because you don't have the resources to do that. Like, I know as a teacher, in order for me to do things with my students, I've had to pay out of my own pocket. You know, and a lot of teachers have to do that. So if I want my children to have a taste test, you know, uh, if I want them to explore tasting different vegetables and to see, you know, to choose a favorite and to talk about self-control, that mm-hmm. has to come out of my own pocket. Yeah. You know, and I have a classroom with 16 kids, so I have to make sure that I can feed 16 kids. You know, and it's not even just stuff like that. I know teachers who buy paper and pencils and glue. I've had to buy paper and pencils and glue in order for us to be able to do arts and crafts. Mm -hmm. You know, in order for us to be able to write things down. So the fact that you have to go out and pay out of your own pocket, sometimes it puts you in those moods of, well, I just want to get through the day. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's sad that it's like that. And I can understand it because I also have had those days. But I think it takes a strong person to think, okay, I understand that I'm frustrated and I understand that this is hard, but these are lives that, I, that I'm accountable for. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are lives. These are small minds that I have to shape. Yeah. And, you know, I want to make sure that when they are with me, they are learning something. Now, what happens when you're at home, that's not my responsibility. Although I would greatly appreciate if the parents were on board with it like with um with me i potty train kids mm-hmm. it's like so i've potty trained in the three years that i have have been teaching i have potty trained that class at 18 <laughs> 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 i potty trained at least 40 to 50 kids not an exaggeration mm-hmm. you know and Parents would always come in and go, okay, well, what do you need from me? You know, and it's like, okay, I just simply need you to make sure that you keep up with that schedule. Mm -hmm. So you keep up with that schedule. You make sure that you're sending them to the bathroom. Don't put them in pull-ups all day because when they come here, they're not in pull-ups all day. You know, they're in underwear. And then they bring them back and they're in pull-ups or they're in a diaper, you know. And, and, you know, they're not bringing extra clothes for them to be changed into. Mm -hmm. And it's just like... Do you understand that I have 17 other children that I'm doing this for? 
Little things like that. So do you feel that when it comes to parents, parents need to be more sympathetic when when it comes to teachers? Definitely. There needs to be a lot of conversations because like I said, it takes a village. And I definitely think that we have parents who who only leave it up to the teachers. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they don't do anything at home. I, I feed you, I wash you, and I put you to bed so that in the morning you get up and you go to school. That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do. And I definitely have had conversations with parents who say that they do that. Like we we there it's like there are parents who don't make it a secret. Like when you go home, you're going to bed. That's it. Then when you get up, you're going to school. <laughs> like like so, there's no conversation. I feed you. You're washed. Go to bed. It was like, okay. <laughs> like, and they're comfortable saying that because mm-hmm. they know at school, especially in preschool, because they're so young, we have so much to where it's almost like you're at home. You know, so we have those clothes for you. You know, so we've had parents who bring their kids in the same clothes from the other day, you know, or we, we we're able to bathe you, you know, because we have parents who will bring their kids in and they have you know, food and gunk on their face, you know, like we, we have those things, you know, um, there are some kids who have skin conditions and their parents don't really cater to it, you know, mm-hmm. but when they get with us, we make sure that they're, that they're covered and that we, 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 we keep their skin intact. You know, there's a lot of kids that we have that have eczema, you know, so in preschool, it's definitely like we're, we're, we're your second parents, Yeah, you know, so you definitely see it firsthand in preschool. You definitely see it because they're with you all day. I work from eight to five. From eight to five, I have seventeen kids right here <laughs> in your face, <laughs> heard my face, <laughs> right here all day. Uh, I can. I. I don't want to imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> right here from eight to five. Mm-hmm. By the time I am walking out the door, Miss JJ, are you going home? Yes. <laughs> yes. Can I come with? <laughs> and they're like, can I? Like, I students. They're like, no, you have to stay. And it's just like, friend, <laughs> I've been with you all day. Mm-hmm. All day. So you can imagine, you know, having those parents who don't do their part. Mm-hmm. And how frustrating it is. Because, again, when you bring your child to school every day, I now have your child more than you do. I now have your child more than you do. So the fact that you don't cooperate with me it's frustrating now do you feel like they're purposely doing that or is it just these are the circumstances that I'm under and this is the best I can do I think there are a few where that's just the circumstances that they're under um but I definitely will say that there are some parents who who do it because they can they do it because they can, because they know that their child will not return to them the way that they drop them off. You know, so I'm not going to allow one of my little girls to come in and her hair is messed up and her and her clothes are dirty. I'm not going to send her home like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so because I will fix it, they have no problem leaving it like that. You know, like I remember there was a little girl who in my class I used to sit down and I used to do her hair every morning. Like, it was a thing. Like, I would have to do her hair Man, every morning. Man, I wish I had a teacher so she can do my hair every morning because you know? I cannot right now. Listen, and that was a thing. And that's not, that's not even, like, out of the norm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely have students who come in and you take care of them. You take care of them. You sit them down. You feed them because their parents didn't bring them food that day. Mm-hmm. You make sure that their faces are clean. You make sure that their clothes are clean. You make sure that they are clean and presentable for, and ready for the day. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like when you have to do that, it takes away from their learning. Yeah. When I'm constantly having to groom you and constantly having to make sure that you're just ready for the start of the day, it takes away from their learning. Because while those other kids are sitting down having circle time... I'm sitting here cleaning you up. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here changing your clothes. I'm sitting here fixing your hair. You know, so you miss out on those important things. And it's not like we don't have those conversations with the parents. Could you please do this? Could you please do that? We would prefer if you didn't. It still happens. Mm -hmm. So I definitely feel like I could understand the frustration that a lot of teachers do have to where it makes it easy for you to just worry about a paycheck and, you know, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. I definitely could understand your reasoning behind that because it does get frustrating. You know, it does get tiring. But that's not the child's fault. So I have a question. I kind of want to, like, switch slightly for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that it will be an even playing ground for all children, including, like, black children, if the money was distributed equally versus just where you live in your tax area. So then at least it takes the pressure of you buying supplies and having to worry about like other educational tools. And then of course you can't necessarily mandate what a parent does, but I definitely think so. I definitely think when you, have more money to do things you are able to do more things that's just you know that's just um it's just the cause and effect of it mm-hmm. you know so i definitely think that it would it would definitely um level the playing field because a lot of the times those children that i am doing all that extra work for are my black kids you know and i know it's because their mom didn't get off work until 3 a.m you know or i know it's because you know just 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 circumstances you know and some parents just they just don't care you know because you go to school you know so I definitely think that if we did have a higher budget and we did have more resources to get these things done I definitely think that it would help because I would spend less time attempting to get you together and actually being able to teach you yeah you know um and I I think it just, it just would be better. Yes. Just, She's like, it's just going to be better. It would just be better. Like, cause I like to picture it. I like to picture what I would do if they actually did put more into education. In my mind, is it like <laughs> you're outside wearing a dress. You need to go back inside. They have a closet, everything you, know, you need. Like, I, I, <laughs> I see it. I see just, being able to go, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll just go pick up another one. <laughs> like, I picture it. I picture, like, being able to do artwork all day. Why? Because we have an entire room mm-hmm. stocked so that you can express your creative self. I picture being able to 
give my students actual instruments, you know, not rattles and, and not like little maracas that are entirely too young for my two-year-old class. Oh. You know, I picture being able to give them a listening station where you can sit down and you can listen to books and I can, and you can listen to letters and, and that all of those so things. That sounds so dope. Yeah, oh. I, I, I can picture those things. I can mm. picture you being able to play dress up mm. and not have to worry about if they were hand-me-downs, yeah. you know, and worrying about, oh, we gotta, we gotta wash them every especially to, COVID yeah you know mm-hmm. right now we don't have any of our dress up clothes any of our soft toys any of those we had to we had to put them all away because COVID mm-hmm. you know um, I picture being able to have you work on your fine motors and not just you putting together some Legos you know but yeah. actually learning to write and mm-hmm. learning to you know hold and zip and like I, I used to dream of like making a busy board where it had like you can do the buttons and you can do the zips and you can things that you would actually have to learn how to do sooner or later by yourself. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I picture having those things, but we don't have the resources to create those things. And I, I, I'm able to buy it, mm-hmm. but then I also have to worry about taking my, take care, taking care of myself after that. Yeah. You know, it's like, so I want to be the teacher who goes out and gets you guys everything. I want to be, mm-hmm. but then I also have to worry about how am I going to get lunch? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's only so much on the dollar menu. You know, there's only so much. And so it's crazy that it's like you want to be a better teacher. You want to give your children everything. You definitely want them to have the very best so that you can go through life saying that I learned properly. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be that teacher who does that for you. And I feel like with the limited resources that I do have, I am one of those teachers. I definitely feel like I do impact my students in a powerful way. I definitely do, especially with them being so young. But imagine what you could do if you had just that much more. Just a little bit more resources. Just just a little bit more. Like, you know that Kim Cattrall, just that little piece of... You know, You know, I, I, I couldn't imagine all the creatives that come out. I couldn't imagine all of, all of the students who prosper mm-hmm. when you actually give them more to do. You know, yeah. like if you give them more resources, if you give them more money, if you put more faith yes. in those students, if you put more faith in those students, if you gave them permission to just be children... Mm-hmm. to explore and just watch them do what yeah. they do naturally mm-hmm. you would be amazed you would be amazed to see the things that they do like I watch my students even when they're just playing like when we're not learning anything to just watch them interact with one another it's amazing mm-hmm. because my students are two years old <laughs> <laughs> you know they're two years old and the fact that they they are sponges they absorb so much so how you speak around them, how you carry yourself around them, they go out there and they, they, they do, do that. They do exactly what you do. They do exactly that among their friends. Yeah. You know, like we have students, their parents are gentle with them. So because their parents are gentle with them, they go out and they're gentle with the other kids. Oh. You know, so like you have students who, like we have students who will come in and they're crying. And before you as a teacher can't even get to them. There are other students that are coming up and they're patting them. It's like, that's so that's cute. That's so cute. Okay, like those are things that children do. And just imagine if we were all able to do that to all of our kids. Imagine that comfort and that actual empathy that we can instill in those kids. Imagine how great 
those humans would be if you just put a little more in the education system. Just a little more. Just a little more. Mm-hmm. Because you have so many teachers who are terribly creative. You have so many teachers who care so much about their students. Who care so much. Yeah. But they cannot give them everything because they have lives of their own. Mm-hmm. And it's not their job. It's not their job to have to give them everything. Yeah. Because you're in a school. Mm-hmm. I, should, I shouldn't have to pay for paper. why am i paying why why am i paying for paper so if anyone's listening to the podcast and they want to like help donate what can they do you wanted to help donate we are always in need of extra clothes Mm -hmm. um we are all especially in preschools because those are like those tender ages where you're learning you know to potty train you Mm -hmm. know so extra clothes extra shoes um, if you wanted to give resources for arts and crafts, you know, if you wanted to give paper and glue and, and scissors and pencils, if you wanted to give books that, um, that give you resources on how to do circle times, you know, if you wanted to give books on science experiments, if you wanted to give, you know, just clothes or, uh, uh, dress up clothes or, mm-hmm. um, toys for the centers if you wanted to donate a radio for the listening station like you know if you wanted to donate in order for these children to have more Mm. you absolutely could Mm -hmm. you know i worked for the first preschool that i worked for they were a christian-based school and because they were a christian-based school and they were um, a non-profit they received so much more i remember being amazed by how different that school was compared to the school that I went to after that. Yeah. I was amazed at the difference. And they were they were just up the street from each other. You know, so it's not even so much that they're in like different tax brackets. It's just, it's just one was a nonprofit. Exactly. One was a nonprofit and the other one was predominantly black. So compared to that school and seeing the resources and seeing how the teachers were treated mm-hmm. and seeing how how your work was how your work was considered and how it was how it was looked at mm-hmm. was completely different mm-hmm. it was completely different you know that the first school there were bigger classrooms you know we had a resource room where you had three separate rooms inside of it you know there was arts and crafts there was a place where you can grab extra toys there was a place where you can go get books like shelves of books yeah you know, there was a library inside of that school. We had the two separate schools so that not all of the, stu- the students were bunched up on top of each other. Of course. You know, so it's like we had these children, you know, from six weeks to two years old. They were in one school and then we had a gymnasium, you know, so when it rained, you didn't have to play outside. Yeah. You know, and then there was an entirely different school right up the hill mm-hmm. to where it was the older kids from three into um, the after school age. Mm-hmm. And that was where you found the library and you found the resource room and you were able to not only not be on top of one another, but you knew that you had places to go to go get what you needed, you know, and they had things like a music class and they had things like um, library time with a teacher who would sit down and actually read books to the kids every um, every what was it, Thursday. You know, we had water plays. We had. Um, we threw like a fair every year. We we had things. Actually, I think I know the school you're talking about. My friend actually works in Cleveland. <laughs> no, uh, no. I was like, now here. It was actually here. It was here. Yes. It was oh, here. cool. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, you know, we we had things like that every year. They were there were pumpkin patches, and you mm-hmm. know, they would go out and they they would give each classroom like seeds and you were able to go out and plant the seeds and the next morning they would come through and actually put pumpkins so it made it seem mm-hmm. like those pumpkins that you threw out into the field actually grew like you know it was like a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> we had we had buses so that when you wanted to go on field trips we had people who were able to take you to those field trips and then when i went to the separate school that was predominantly black yeah our bosses drove the buses wow know? um one of the teachers from one of the classrooms was the cook in the kitchen you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. You it just wasn't, had to make do. You had to make do. You know, it was a hallway of classrooms. So mm-hmm. where the younger kids were at the bottom and then the older kids were at the other end. It's like, so we're just all on top of one another. Mm-hmm. It was a small school to the point like the cooks, if they burned food, the school smelled like that for hours. Yeah. For hours. We weren't able to put up any pictures because we didn't have any resources, mm-hmm. you know? And if you did put up pictures, they had to stay in one select spot because the owners didn't want you to put them all over the place, which is completely against state guidelines, mm-hmm. you know? Um, our bathroom. We had a bathroom that we shared with the other classroom. The toilet would overflow. It would. It would overflow and it would be flooded for days. Yeah. To the point where I have to, like, send my kids to the bathroom one at a time. Mm-hmm. And I'm making sure that they're not stepping in water. You know, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm plunging the toilet to make sure that it's not gumming up everywhere. I have to watch the kids to make sure that no one touches that toilet. You know, it's it was unsafe environments. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was because they didn't have any resources. Yeah. <laughs> they No one gave these people a, a, an option to be better. Yeah. To the point that now that school is closed down. You know, like, they they had it so bad. Like, we had students in there who had behavioral problems and needed guidance. And the only thing that those children received were teachers who did not like them. Is and, it, and who were open to telling them that they did not like them. Is it because, like those teachers had all these other things on their plate mm-hmm. that they couldn't actually solely just focus on the exactly. student itself. Most definitely. And then no matter what you try to hide from a child, they feel your energy. Mm-hmm. They feel it. And I feel like we definitely don't give children enough credit. Yeah. <laughs> because they see just about everything. Yeah. Because they're sponges. So, you know, you can do something and you think that you do it in private and then you turn around and that child is doing the exact same thing that you were doing. That happens. So when you don't like a child and you give off that energy, they feel that. Yeah. And because they're children, they're going to act on that because they don't understand what exactly they're feeling. They're feeling that you don't like them. They're feeling your frustration. They're feeling your discomfort. Mm -hmm. So I remember there were students who used to fight teachers. I remember that there were students that used to fight the teachers. And he was like four. He was four. He would completely trash the classroom. I mean, throwing chairs, standing up on the windowsill. I mean, fighting and kicking and running up and down the hallway to the point where the bosses were running behind him. Oh, we don't do that. We don't do that. But also, no one sat down and talked to him. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was able to sit down and talk to him, he didn't have those issues. You know, like they used to send him to my classroom. He just needed something to do. He needed something to do. He, he was really gentle with little kids. Yeah. You know, he, he was really gentle with little kids. Also, 
he was into feminine things. You know, so they, they um, his mother came in and told them that she didn't want him playing with baby dolls. And she didn't want him dressing up in girls' clothing. And that was all he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. G- genuinely, that's all he wanted to do. So it felt like a part of him was being denied. If, exactly. And when he was doing those things, he was happy. Mm-hmm. He, wasn't, he wasn't bothering anyone. He was enjoying himself. But it went, it, everything went haywire when you would try to take those things from him. Yeah, because it was like you were repressing himself. You're, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's a happy child. He, and he was a beautiful little boy, too. Mm. He was. He was a beautiful little boy. But when you, when you tried to hinder him, that's when the problems came. So when you didn't allow him to just be him, that's when the problems came. Mm-hmm. And I think that also is something that happens with black students. When you don't allow them to just be them. That's when you have problems because it's not because he's black that he's, he's, he's acting out. No. (laughs) He's just so happily is black. He's he's a child. Mm -hmm. That's what children are going to do. Mm -hmm. Children act out. Now, because of how you deal with it. There lies the issue. There there lies the issue. Mm -hmm. So if you understand that helping him play with a baby doll keeps him calm. That is something that you need to explain to his parents. Because you guys are being beat up by this child. Like, I remember hearing stories of him punching teachers. He's Because you wouldn't let him have his doll. Because you wouldn't let him have his doll. You wouldn't let him. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't let him do that. And it was by his mother's order. No doubt. But that's where the conversation comes in. It makes my day easier when I allow him to just be. <laughs> it makes my day easier when I allow him to just be. Mm-hmm. So I just think right now I'm really at a place where I just feel like we need to be having conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to be speaking to one another because I feel like that is definitely going to be another thing that helps us get better. Is it between teacher and parent, teacher and school system, or all three? It's all three. Mm-hmm. You definitely need to sit down and have those conversations. And it's going to be difficult at first because yeah. this is how the school systems have always been, you know. But I definitely think that it's a conversation that needs to be had. And it's a tough conversation because who am I as a person who's not a mother to tell you how your child is? Yeah, of course. You know, it's like I, I don't have children. Mm-hmm. But because I deal with your child on a daily basis. I have a little insight on on things that he likes and things that he does. Because I also know that children act completely different at school than they do at home. Yes, they do. (laughs) Completely completely different. To the point where parents are like, he did what? No, no, no. He doesn't know. He doesn't know to do that. And it's like... Yes, he do. He does. He does. I remember I had told a parent that her son was fully potty trained. Like, to the point where he was able to remove his own clothes and put new clothes on and put his shoes on and fasten them up and go up there and wash his hands by himself, pull the paper towel and throw the paper towel away, turn off the light. He was able to do all of that. Mm -hmm. But in the morning, she would bring him in diapers. Mm -hmm. Diapers, not even pull-ups. Diapers. So that means that you laid this three-year-old child down, lifted up his legs, and placed a diaper underneath him. <laughs> when he already knows how to pee, he knows how to pee. So you wasting your time in his. He all, exactly, and I was like, "Do you know that he's potty trained?" And she was like, "No, he doesn't go to the bathroom at home." 
Because you do it for him. Because you do it for him, mom. I'm telling you, this child helps me with other students. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, this is how you do it. No, yeah, no like, watch this. Like, and those are things that, like, my kids will do. They will help other students mm-hmm. because they just know how. You know, they, they, I, I, I remember I had a little girl in my class. She went and she hung up her jacket. And there was a little boy who was right next to her and he couldn't. And she was like, do you need help? Like she went over and she was like, here, it goes right here. And like I watched the entire exchange. He was like, here, it goes right here. And he went and he tried it and he couldn't do it. And she was like, no, it goes right here. <laughs> and she was like, why are you not putting it on there? I put mine on there. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, do you want me to do it? Like it was a conversation that they had. Yeah. And she put the jacket up. And I was just like. Oh, these children are so amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how amazing they would be if you allowed them all to be amazing. Mm-hmm. You allowed them all to be amazing. So, Rob, do you have any last closing remarks? Ah, I love being a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love being an educator. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that is very precious and um, near and dear to my heart. And I definitely feel like it is something that if you feel like you can be a positive influence, definitely venture into it Mm -hmm. because it is very rewarding. It's tiring and it's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) (laughs) You don't go in thinking it's going to be easy because it's not. But I definitely feel like if you have tons of love in your heart and tons of patience and a mindset of actually wanting to help these children succeed then you've done your job yes then you've done your job most definitely well thank you thank you so much and thank you y'all for listening of course this is episode two and it was really nice actually talking to you about this because <laughs> we yeah. never really dive deep into it right yeah we can we, we can talk all day about we can it. talk all day <laughs> but no thank you so much and you know i'm about to throw a little egg in here if you have gotten to the end of this episode if you have my number, text me oranges, or you can do it on my website at yososessi.com. <laughs> All right, y'all, you have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye.